Hello and welcome to the Family Planning Files, a podcast from the National Clinical Training Center for Family Planning. The National Clinical Training Center for Family Planning is one of the training centers funded through the Office of Population Affairs to provide programming to enhance the knowledge of family planning staff. I'm your host, Katherine Atchison. Our guest speaker today is Anne Finn from our popular Coding with Anne series. Anne heads Anne Finn Consulting, LLC, where she's a healthcare reimbursement and billing and coding consultant. Anne has also worked as a national trainer with many reproductive healthcare organizations since establishing Anne Finn Consulting in 2003. Welcome back to the podcast, Anne. We're so excited to have you today. Thank you. And hello to everyone. And welcome back to our latest podcast in our coding series. And it's our first for 2021. Today, we're going to talk about some of the key changes to ENM outpatient and office visit coding that took effect January 1st, 2021, and you should now be using when determining the optimal code to bill for a client's visit. ENM stands for Evaluation and Management. ENM services represent a category of current procedural terminology or CPT codes used by physicians and other qualified healthcare professionals, such as nurse practitioners, physician assistants, or midwives for billing purposes. These codes are the core of most family planning visits and reflect the time and medical decision-making the clinician spends on providing patient care, often including family planning, STI testing and treatment, and other risk reduction counseling. There are two types of ENM codes commonly used in family planning visits. The first is a preventive visit code, such as a 99385 or 99396, based on a patient's age, which we refer to as the well visits, annual exams, or checkups. We are not going to focus on these today since they are not part of the new guideline changes. The second type of ENM code is the problem-oriented visit code, such as 99203 or 99214, depending on the level of services provided and if the patient is new or established to the practice. These codes are commonly used for healthy and sick patient visits and family planning for contraception, screening, counseling, and sick visits. Today, we will be focusing on these problem-oriented codes and highlight the key changes that impact your coding for patient visits. So let's take a moment and look back at what was. Up until the end of 2020, providers would select an ENM visit code for the patient's visit based on either one, the combination of three key components of documented history, physical exam, and the medical decision-making involved, which was cumbersome and at times ambiguous. The second method used time if more than half the visit was spent on counseling and or coordination of care. The time that could be counted only included the clinician's face-to-face time in the exam room with the patient and excluded many of the activities the clinician typically spends time on during the date of the encounter, such as reviewing the patient's history and test results, documenting the visit in the medical record, ordering tests, and so on. The American Medical Association, or AMA, worked with many healthcare professionals to revise the guidelines and modify the MDM criteria to make them more clinically intuitive and to increase coding consistency among clinicians, coders, and payers. So what's changed? What's the now? As of January 1st, components for code selection were narrowed down to two. One, medical decision-making, or MDM, and two, the total cumulative time on the date of the encounter. There's still a medically appropriate history taken and physical exam performed as needed, but these two components no longer factor into the code determination. 
The new patient code 99201 was deleted and it's no longer active for billing since 99201 and 99202 both require the same level of medical decision making. This is important to note and ensure your templates, your EHR, and your billing systems have been properly updated to reflect this change or your claim may be denied payment for billing an invalid code. The descriptors that remain in effect have been revised to include a range of time rather than a midpoint to simplify coding, and what can be included in the time calculation has been expanded, and we'll touch on that in a moment. While not common in family planning settings, revisions to prolonged service add-on codes, for example, visits over 74 minutes for a new client or 55 minutes for an established client, also have been made. We're not going to cover these prolonged codes today, but if this applies to your agency or population you serve, you can reference guidance on these codes through the AMA, ACOG, or other sites. So let's first look at the MDM method. The new guidelines on medical decision-making includes establishing diagnoses, assessing the status of the condition, and or selecting a management option. These three elements are similar but not identical to the 2020 version, and they include the first element being the problem or the number and complexity of problem or problems the provider addresses during the E&M encounter. In 2020, the guidelines instead referred to this as the number of possible diagnoses and or the number of management options. The new guidelines factor in complexity and remove diagnoses that do not impact care. The ENM guidelines define a problem as a disease, condition, illness, symptom, sign, finding, complaint, or other matter noted at the encounter, with or without a diagnosis being established at the time of the encounter. Some family planning examples include a patient presenting for contraceptive management, for an infection, or other issues such as a discharge or abdominal pain, along with pregnancy planning, counseling, and testing. The second element is the data, or the amount and or complexity of data to be reviewed and analyzed. The 2021 guidelines list three categories for the data element, the first being tests, documents, orders, or independent historians. Second category is independent test interpretation, and the third is the discussion of management or test interpretation with external providers or appropriate sources, which refers to non-healthcare, non-family sources involved in patient management, such as like a parole officer or a case manager. The 2020 guidelines also included the amount and or complexity of medical records, tests, and other information involved but the 2021 guidelines expand the section significantly. For example, the data element includes changes to the way you would count tests that may impact typical family planning visits, such as if you code and bill or separately report point-of-care tests, such as urine pregnancy tests, a rapid HIV test, microscopy, or a limited ultrasound done during the visit, don't use these in determining your E&M level. These do not count as a unique test in data. Per CPT, ordering a test is included in the category of test results, and the review of the test is considered part of the encounter and not the subsequent encounter. In other words, if you order a chlamydia and a gonorrhea test, you would get one point for each test, including the review of results. A lab panel, such as a basic metabolic panel, reported with CPT code 80047 is considered one unique test. The review of test results can be counted only for tests that you didn't order, because if you ordered the test, you've already gotten credit for reviewing the result. 
So if Chloe is given a urine pregnancy test and an HIV rapid test, which are both negative, and a sample is sent out for chlamydia and gonorrhea screening, the clinician would credit two points or a low level for the data element. Since we're focusing on key changes today, be sure to review the official guidance more closely to ensure you accurately account for the data element. There's some gray in the new guidance and people's interpretations on data, so keep an eye out for any updates from CPT and AMA to provide coding clarifications. Try to reference or cite official sites for guidance to avoid personal interpretations that may not always be accurate. Our third element is risk. The risk of complications, morbidity, and or mortality of patient management decisions made at the visit. This can now include social determinants of health and reasons behind decisions not to admit a patient or intervene in in some way. The risk of complications or morbidity is about what's going on with the patient. If a provider prescribes and or manages prescription-level drugs and contraceptives, there is a higher risk of complications than over-the-counter options available, and the risk element selected would reflect this. A prescription-level drug provided during the visit, such as oral contraceptive pills or hormonal patch, would be considered a moderate level of risk, whereas an over-the-counter drug is typically considered a low level of risk. Let's look at Kiera, an established patient who presents to initiate contraception. She is otherwise healthy but is screened for pregnancy, HIV, and chlamydia and gonorrhea. The provider spends 18 minutes with Kiera, including documenting the visit note on the date of the encounter. Kiera is administered Depo-Provera at the end of the visit. Since Kiera is presenting with one problem, the need for contraception to avoid pregnancy, this would fit to a low-level MDM for the problem. A low level of data by factoring in the two unique lab tests sent out to the lab and a moderate level of risk given that she has administered a prescription-level drug, the Depo-Provera, as contraception. The overall medical decision-making is chosen as the highest level that is met or exceeded using two of the three MDM elements. We determine the three elements to be low, low, moderate. So in this example, the overall MDM level that is appropriate is low. When we look to the MDM table, a low-level MDM translates to a 99213 for an established patient. We included these tables as a job aid for you to download and share after the podcast. Now, let's look at the time method and what's changed in 2021. Time for problem-oriented E&M services is now based on the total cumulative time on the date of the encounter, rather than just the clinician's face-to-face time as in the past. It now includes both the face-to-face and non-face-to-face time personally spent by the clinician on the date of the encounter. It does not include time and activities normally performed by clinical staff, such as nurses, medical assistants, and or front desk staff, unless otherwise stated in payers' policies. The criteria that half the visit needed to be spent on counseling to use time was also removed. The new guidelines include examples of activities that occur that can be used when calculating the total time. Clinicians in your practice need to be made aware of these changes and ensure their documentation and time reflected includes the following activities. The first example would be preparing to see the client. An example being review of tests, connecting to your telehealth platform. Second is obtaining and or reviewing prior collected history, performing a medically appropriate exam and or evaluation, counseling and educating the client, the family, or the caregiver, documenting clinical information in the medical record or EHR, independently interpreting results that are not separately reported, and communicating results to the client 
family, and caregiver, coordination of care that is not separately reported, ordering medications and contraceptives, and finally, ordering labs, radiology, and other procedures such as a LARC insertion. As I mentioned earlier, time includes both the clinician's face-to-face and non-face-to-face time on the day of the encounter now. Activities on other days than the actual encounter would not be included in the total time calculation. So for example, if the clinician completes documentation in the medical record on the day or two after the actual encounter, this block of time would not be counted toward the total time when selecting the ENM code. Remember to clearly document all the time you spend on the day of the encounter on different tasks to support the ENM code build. It's also important to remember that time spent on services that are separately reportable, meaning there's a separate CPT code to describe the service, should not be included in the total time calculation for the ENM service. A few examples of this include a LARC insertion or removal, an injection, a colposcopy, or a lesion removal. Remember, no double dipping. It's also a best practice to check with your state Medicaid program and other third-party payers to review their policies and guidance on ENM and other coding. For example, a few family planning programs, such as in California, have opted to include nursing and staff time for contraceptive counseling when billing an ENM service. So let's look back at Kiara's visit to start contraception. The clinician documented a total of 18 minutes on the visit and the documentation. Kiara was an established patient. Using the time method and updated tables, the appropriate code would be 99212. The updated 99212 code description includes 10 to 19 minutes of total time spent on the date of the encounter. Which code should we bill? 99213 using MDM or 99212 using time? It's appropriate to use either method to determine the highest level ENM code for each visit. One method does not fit all visits and it can be interchanged. We determined the ENM code for Kiara's visit was 99213 using the medical decision making tables and 99212 using the time method. So the provider would appropriately select and bill a 99213 for the visit. Since payers typically reimburse providers more for a higher level ENM codes than for lower ones, capturing the highest level code appropriate for a visit is essential to ensuring accurate reporting and optimal reimbursement. If a provider does not familiarize themselves with these changes and what code is most appropriate, they risk underreporting the visit and being underpaid for their services. Finally, documentation matters and supports the codes you build for services when reviewed by payers. Time should be clearly documented along with each of the services provided in the visit note. To ensure quality coding, I recommend first updating templates to reflect these 2021 changes and offer spaces for time to be easily captured throughout the note. Second, sharing and posting updated ENM coding tools, including the updated time and MDM tables for easy reference. Reviewing AMA and other ENM coding guidance to fully understand the criteria involved in determining the MDM level and time and what's included. Ensuring that your staff is trained on these key changes, including not only clinical staff, but billing and administrative staff, as billing and coding is a team effort. Doing some chart reviews within your practice on regular intervals with internal trained staff or an outside coder to ensure your team is accurately applying the new guidelines. And finally, offering feedback and time for discussion with your staff. These QI activities will help to ensure the optimal codes for reimbursement are achieved and billed. I encourage you to download our job aid and familiarize yourself with the updated MDM and timetables and guidance. I look forward to sharing work podcasts in the new year and thank you for joining us today.
And thank you for joining us today, Anne, and for sharing your time and expertise. For more content, search for the Family Planning Files podcast or subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For a transcript of this podcast, as well as other online learning activities and continuing education opportunities, please visit our website at www.ctcfp.org. You can also follow the National Clinical Training Center for Family Planning's social media on Twitter at NCTCFP, all lowercase, and sign up for our monthly newsletter, Clinical Connections, on our website. This training is supported by DHHS grant number 5, FPTPA 006029-03-00. The contents of this podcast solely represent the views of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official positions of the Department of Health and Human Services, or DHHS, Office of the Assistant Secretary of Health, or OASH, or the Office of Population Affairs, or OPA. No official support or endorsement of DHHS, OASH, and or OPA for the opinions described in this podcast is intended or should be inferred. Theme music written by Dan Jones and performed by Dan Jones and the Squids. Other production support provided by the Collaborative to Advance Health Services at the University of Missouri-Kansas City School of Nursing and Health Studies. And finally, thank you to our listeners for tuning in today.